Today, we get to practice some pixel alchemy with Renee Robin on this episode of Behind the Shot. Hi, once again, welcome to Behind the Shot, the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots from conception to completion and all those stories and challenges that happen in between. I'm Steve Brazel. Before we bring our guest on today, who I got to say ahead of time, before I introduce her, uh, I am radically excited about this episode, and you will understand why as, as we get into the show a little bit more. But I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, thanks very much for watching. You can find out anything about this show at the website. It's behindtheshot.tv, and there you will also find the contest rules for the contest I'm currently doing with Red River Paper. Now, when this episode airs at the end of March, you'll only have a few more days to enter the current contest with Red River Paper. Be aware, we will be doing this throughout the year. So watch the social media channels, watch the website, watch the podcast for you know updates on what contest we're doing at what point. But the one that we're doing this time around with Red River Paper, Red River Paper is giving out 10 Red River Paper sample packs. And the 10 people that win those from Red River Paper, one of those people is also gonna win this beautiful print, a custom 13 by 19 print. This is from Louise Eisenhart. She's a student at the Fashion Institute of Technology. She's in their photography program. She's in her final year. And Red River Paper is gonna do a custom print of this on their paper to give out to one behind the shot winner as well. Now, if you wanna know how to enter this contest to be able to either win one of the sample packs or one of those winners getting this print, all you got to do is go look at the rules. It's at behindtheshot.tv. Plus, by the time this episode airs in our social media channels, we're going to add another way for you to enter. If you find the post, it can be Instagram, Twitter, it can be Facebook. If you find the behind the shot post that says comment below for a chance to win, all you need to do is follow Red River Paper on whatever social media platform that is comment on that correct post and tag two of your friends and that will get you an entry as well into this contest for the sample packs. But again, we'll be doing this all year round. Enter this one really quick and then watch for the other ones. Get yourself a couple of chances to win. So I ran through that quick because to say that I'm excited for today's guest is an understatement. Today's guest is Renee Robin. Renee, how are you? I'm good. How are you? It's good. It's wonderful to see you. And I saw you recently. Uh, we were both at WPPI. Yep. And uh, it looks like, by the way, your camera turned a little bit. So you're a little bit to the edge of the frames. Uh, other way. There we go. A little bit more. <laughs> Perfect. Now you're in frame. Um, so we were at WPPI together. And we had, in fact, had lunch at a great pub with uh, with Troy Miller and, and with Curtis and with Peter Levshin. And it was wonderful to see you there. But yeah, I am exactly. excited to have you on and I'm going to tell the story. So about it's it's over a year and a half. It's probably two years ago. It's shortly after I started this podcast. At that time, I was on a network and you and I recorded what turned out to be, I thought, a fantastic episode. You never got to see it back. But no, we got did. excited <laughs> during that show and we dropped a couple of words here and there. And, and I was kind of OK at the time with just beeping it. But the network that I was on, understandably so. They have a clean rating on iTunes and they wanted to keep it clean. So that that episode never saw the light of day. And that's always bummed me out because, and I've told you this before personally, I think you're one of the most amazing creatives that I know. So let's <laughs> talk about, yeah, there we go. I'm going to make you blush by the end of this. So let's talk about you a little bit. You're, you're from the great up north. You're Canadian. 
Yes, I am from the land of always winter, but never Christmas. Always, always winter. <laughs> um, so you were born and raised in Canada? Yeah. Okay, yeah. you are. Yeah. Okay, so this is the weird one. I was trying to describe you to somebody when I was telling them that you were going to be on the show. And the words that I hear often are digital artist or composite expert. But in researching you, I found pixel alchemist, which I dig. Right. I think that's good. I am <laughs> curious, though, with with your skill set, because while people think of you as a composite artist, let's be clear, you can be in a studio and be totally at home and in your happy place. Yeah. How do you describe what it is that you do? I am really bad at it. Um, that's been a problem over the last 10 years of my career. Um, I have no idea. Um, I tell a lot of people the easiest option is to think about video game art, and that's the closest thing. Um, but that isn't everything that I do either. I mean, I do a lot, like a lot of photographers, uh, especially working people. Um, but the stuff that's that's really fun, yeah, it's hard to describe. I just have to show people, you know, like I can tell people all day long and say like, you know, oh yeah, I do, you know, compositing and I can find a bunch of images together and all that. And, but it doesn't really... That, it really doesn't. You know? Again, I've tried saying branding. that to people. And at the end, I always go, yeah, but you know, you know what? Just go look her up. Yeah, that's what I have to do is just to show people the work. because, um, And then I realize it's like a huge problem for from a branding perspective and for like getting clients and so on. Um, I have to let the work speak for itself because I lack the, the words to accurately convey what it is that I'm doing. By the way, um, I have to apologize to the listeners. There is a construction site next door right now. And so they have a saw going. So if you hear that in the background. I bad. actually don't hear it. It may come through the recording, but I'll do some noise reduction. It, you know, whatever. The main thing is I've got you. That's what yeah. I care about. So let's <laughs> let's dive into some of your your um, your resume, as it were. You've yeah. worked with Smug Mug. You've worked yep. with Wacom. Uh, yeah. By the I way, I need to ask time. you something. Could you do what you do without a Wacom tablet? Actually, I give myself challenges all the time on uh, doing it with a trackpad. So like usually like every month or two, I'll do an edit that is completely on the trackpad just to practice and like change it up yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because what but you do is so, yes, yes, well, and you're like Dustin. We both, our, our mutual friend, Dustin Jack, you're like oh, Dustin, Dustin in that amazing. there is no shortcut to a mask, right? No. If, if you're going to mask, you better mask. And if it's doing that on a trackpad ain't easy. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's super, it super sucks. It takes me forever. Um, but I find it's good practice. But yeah, if you're printing anything, uh, if it's going bigger than Instagram or Facebook or like an 8x12, it's, uh, you really have to be very, very meticulous. I mean, Dustin's work prints huge and it's beautiful. And, you know, my work, most of my work prints really large um, for advertising. And so it has to look perfect when people are walking beside it when it's printed 10 feet tall. Which on the image we're going to get into today, I zoomed in on some stuff just for that reason. Um, I'll tell you why. <laughs> well, and that's that exactly. So you've also worked with Adobe and and in mo yeah. and a lot uh, Intel, a bunch of other ones. But a lot yeah, of that type stuff is your your known genre of the composites and the commercial artwork and the your 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 video game art actually was a really cool analogy for that. But I mentioned you're comfortable in a studio. You have shot Lita Ford. You just yeah. did an amazing set of images with Nita Strauss, who was the guitar player for Alice Cooper. Um, yeah, she's um, awesome, man. I mean, both those women are great. Actually, I did the Lita Ford thing with Dustin. With Dustin uh, Jack, Dustin, that's right. 
yeah so it was his job and he brought me in like as a second shooter assistant thing and it was awesome it was it was super great i mean it was an amazing yeah i can't say enough good things about dustin really no Um, i i consider dustin a friend and the thing that i that i love about dustin is he doesn't similar to you he doesn't know that he's good i think he I, i mean i think he knows that he's good but you sure wouldn't know it. I mean, here's a guy who who learned photography by photographing Elvis's car in the ruby red slippers. He's an old episode on this show, by the way. Um, oh, you've had him on. Good. Good. Yeah. Dustin is, yeah, trust me. Just go look up Dustin Jack photography because he's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So you are also an educator. You do workshops yeah. with Curtis Jones, uh, newfoundshores.com. Explain yeah. the workshops to me. Okay. So Newfound Shores was, um, I needed a break from the digital art. Um I'm saying I'm a lot. Good God. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so, yeah, I needed a break from, from doing just digital art all the time because I mean, a lot of my work also has nothing to do with being on the computer and teaching digital art is challenging. It's, it's not always fun, you know, cause you're teaching people about masking and, you know, masking for me is like, it's so important to have like a really good mask. And I'm teaching people how to zoom in to like two, 300% and mask out individual hair strays and like fur and hard stuff and like it's not fun to teach you're just like here's a bunch of sugar uh this is gonna suck for the next two days right. <laughs> you know um so i needed something that was like that was fun to teach um and so i was uh talking to curtis jones and he teaches workshops all over the world he's actually in antarctica right now teaching a photo symposium down there which is bananas uh you know and his, his work is, is super remote you know like adventure tourism stuff like that and I was like, I need to break, I need to change this up, but I don't want to do it full time. So what do we do? And so we started Newfound Shores, uh, which is, you know, adventure photo tourism in Newfoundland specifically for now. And uh, it's, it's been nice. I mean, we have two workshops this year. We have environmental portraits in May, and then we have a landscape one in uh, Bonavista, Newfoundland in August. And, you know, we keep the, the group size small and it's, it's just like, it's being outside, like reconnecting with being outdoors and, you know, enjoying the smell of the ocean and like looking at little puffins flying and, you know, <laughs> um, but it's, it's just like reconnecting with the outside because especially as a digital artist, we get so removed into the studio right, and right. into the computer, you know, even though I shoot all my own backgrounds, uh, it's, I started to feel disconnected from, from life. And so it was like, well, how can we reconnect that? And so we combine forces um, you know, he's, he's an incredible landscape and, uh, yes, you know, some wildlife is. photography he does really good work. And, um, you know, the personalities are complimentary. You know, uh, we ran our first workshop together last August in Bonavista and, uh, it went really well. So we're like, let's try two this year. Um, I probably won't do more than two or three a year because I'm a quality over quantity person and I still have all my software clients and all my digital art clients that have to be maintained, but it feels really good to use those skills that I have that I don't get to teach in digital art classes, you know, cause there's so many, you know, on, you know, using polarizers and ND filters and, right. you know, tripods and, you know, and then building all of that to shooting on location and then going into post-production, but making the post-production more enjoyable instead of being like, this is how we do a detailed mask. It's like, here's how you create a beautiful color grade or at least how I would create it anyways. Well, and, um, and if, and if so people, really nice. if people Google you, Renee Robin, They'll find your website, but they'll also find that you've done a lot of educational stuff. You're involved with, uh, you've done stuff for for Creative Live, DIY Photography, mm-hmm. RGGEDU. Uh, yeah. You've done stuff at WPPI. You've done guest blog posts for Scott Kelby and a bunch of other places. 
Um, yeah, I've done um, I've done Photoplus, I've done Photokina as well. In exactly. Uh, yeah. Particle Shop. Some of your stuff is up on Particle Shop. I actually helped them design that. <laughs> Did um, you really? That's actually yeah. So that's like one of my favorite things that I like to do that I don't ever get to talk about is I love working with technology companies and like helping them make their software or hardware better. Um, that's like my laptop is is built from like a concept job. They were like, well, how do we build better computers for digital artists? And so we partnered with Intel and Puget Systems, and we built these systems that are for people like like us. Uh, you know, these ones are tweaked for video editing. These ones are tweaked for, you know, photography. These ones are tweaked for digital artists. And uh, yeah, like that's I love it. I mean, Cap, um, Particle Shop is one of those those plugins that um, for the longest time, actually, my my artwork was the load up screen, which was really cool. But uh, there's like features in there. Then I was sitting in a boardroom with uh, at like Corel headquarters, um, the Canadian Corel headquarters. I'm not sure where headquarters is in the U.S., but it was in Ottawa. And uh, and you know they were saying, well, what like, what do we have? What can we do to make this better? And so I just like sat down with them and we came out with like a whole plan on how to integrate, make this more useful for photographers uh, as well as digital artists. You know, so it's, it, it is more of a digital art plugin, um, but I mean, it's super useful for photography. But yeah. yeah, there's like a few little key features in there where I'm like, yeah, like the reason that exists is because I sat down with them and I talked to the developers and I was like, we need this and this and this. And they said, well, what's your priority? Um, and so, you know, I like listed them out and, you know, sure enough, one by one, they come through. But it's like, you know, those decisions that happen. It's really cool just to know that, like, you know, a decision that I made helped make a, an experience more pleasant for the users. And that's that's fun for me. You know, like it's it's not something that's direct. And, and I love it. I love working on that stuff. So. And, and that <laughs> that to me is is kind of the kind of the definition of you in a way. <laughs> when, 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 I mean, I've known you for a couple of years now and, and when you are around creatives, when you are around, um, you know, other photographers, when you're talking photography, when you're dealing with photo based, you know, clients, it really is a happy place for you. That's, that's where you excel and take it to the next level, which kind of takes us into the image that we're going to talk about today. Now, before I bring <laughs> the image up, you mentioned First of all, I looked, this image that we're about to show has no name, right? I mean, it, there's no title. No. Okay. Most of my work doesn't have titles. I'm not really, I'm not a title person, which challenges me when people are like, oh, have you done a gallery? I'm like, sure, I haven't. <laughs> like, oh, you need a name. Like, yeah. I, well, and you, naming your stuff wouldn't that. be easy. But <laughs> you said something a little while ago that was intriguing to me and that when you were describing your work, you said, I want you to picture, you know, when, when you're trying to describe to people how to picture what you do, right? It's kind of like uh, a game art. And this image reminds me, okay, it's going out on a ledge, right? Cause it's not cartoon. So to the people that are listening, I have both a video stream and an audio stream. And if you're listening on audio, don't get the impression that this is cartoon art, but it kind of reminds me of Dragon's Lair. <laughs> Perfect. Do you That's see what awesome. I'm saying? That's great. There's scenes he steps happy. across the bricks and they fall out from under him and then there's stairs and there's a giant whatever. Um, and again, this is not cartoonish. Dragon's Lair was more cartoonish, but let me describe this really quick to, to the people on the audio feed. And I just realized I'm not going to be able to. And this keeps <laughs> happening. If you're on the audio feed, go to the website and look at the picture is probably your best bet or go check out the video feed for at least a second before you listen to the audio feed, but I'm gonna try. So first of all, it's a one by one crop, it's square and it's a knight for lack of a better phrase. 
um, you know, old world type guy. Uh, I'm assuming guy, but long hair that I wish I had. Um, <laughs> he does not have a sword. He has what looks to be a lit up magic wand. And actually, it actually is a sword. It is a magical sword. Okay, so a magical it's sword. It's kind of small. <laughs> and there's old stone stairs in front of him. And at the top of the stairs is a freaking spider three times, four or five times his size. The body of the spider looks like a shell. The, the head of the spider looks like a helmet. The spider has a beard, for lack of a better phrase. Um, and the lighting and, okay, here's the thing. And I'm going to get into this in a minute. But the three dimension in this image, the way, what I want you to picture on the audio feed is the, the guys in front of you at the bottom of the stairs and at the top of the stairs on the top of this like old ruin is this spider. And the way that the spider has fallen off into the distance, the guy, there is such a 3D thing here. So here's the questions I have on this image. What the hell is in your mind? How does, the, I, I don't, how do you sleep with what's in your head? I don't very well, actually. That's one of the the, the things. Um, I have a really problem, big problem with sleep. <laughs> this is, this is such a cool image. Let me get the EXIF data out, but, but understand the EXIF data is going to be somewhat meaningless because the EXIF data is going to be for one part of this, but this is a composite. I'm assuming this EXIF data that was in the image is for the guy who was, was the guy shot in a studio? So uh, ironically, this image was photographed at uh, Focal Point in Toronto. It's a PPOC national event. Okay. Uh, and I was I was hired to present to them one to them one year, which was great. It was amazing. I was there with a J Jason Group was the other oh, presenter. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, it was it was an amazing event. They did a great job, and uh, I had um, a model drive down from Montreal, believe it or not. <laughs> You know, with with this armor uh, to to come and pose for this event. You know, paid him in the whole nine yards. But uh, we we photographed the thing live, so all the images from the set are live, and then I edited the images live. Whoa, 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 I, whoa, whoa! You did this in front of people. So <laughs> the other image uh, from this set was done in front of people. So this was so what I did was I photographed the pose that I wanted for the for the class, but then I always photograph like a, a whoopsie, like what if my idea doesn't work out. So I did a couple different poses that I thought maybe would be interesting. And this is one of them. And this is in front of, you know, like 150 people. Oh, whoopsie. So. Yeah, well, it happens, man. That, that is, <laughs> that is now a new photographic term. Uh, are we done? No, no, no. Let me get a whoopsie. <laughs> I always do. I always photograph the whoops. Uh, actually, it's part of a, a shootout recently, which is, uh, I'm not sure when it goes public, so I can't speak too much on it. But we were, we were given 20 minutes to wa walk into a scene and photograph it uh and you know with a concept right. uh but you know and uh it was trying not to give too much away but it was really hard and i was really sick but even then i had like my first idea and then I had my second idea and neither of them were very good because you're walking into a scene you've never seen before uh with with models you don't know and everything and two lights <laughs> and they're like 20 minutes go uh but even then i photographed two And I always do uh, whenever I'm photographing a concept, even to have like a very specific thing in mind, you know, if it's been art directed to hell and they're like, yeah, this is exactly what we need. Cool. I can shoot that in like 20 minutes usually or 10 minutes, whatever. Uh, but I will always photograph backup plans because once everyone's gone, everyone's gone, you know, so I always make sure that I have a second and third choice. Uh, and so this, this pose that I had edited was that because I mean, he had a, he had a great outfit on great costume. Um, it was, it was beautiful. 
and uh, you know, the lighting looked great. And I was photographing it with a, with a great lens. I mean, the 135L is beautiful. Uh, not normally what I would use to shoot for a composite for the artwork that we had planned. It works. So and, 135 uh, uh, F2L, Canon mm-hmm. 5D Mark II. Yeah, at the time it was my Mark II, yeah. One sixtieth of a sec, one 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 sixtieth of a second. Yes. F seven point one ISO two hundred. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're you're at this thing, you're shooting this. Where'd the concept come from? So the concept came from so I, I photographed that pose and it was always just in the back of my mind. It was kind of my brain works. I have just like a thousand tabs open in my head at all times. And these ideas just kind of like bubble and boil away. So I'd been thinking about that that pose for a couple of years, I think. And, and I was sitting there one day and I was living in a house that was full of spiders and I'm really not good with spiders. And I realized that spiders in Canada are not like, you know, the, the small ponies that live in Central America right, right, and in Australia. But, you know, if they're the size of my thumbnail, I'm like, nope, burn the house down. Like we're done. <laughs> I don't care anymore. But my house was full of spiders. I was living in this like cabin type thing. It was all wood and there were spiders everywhere and i was just like oh my god how am i (laughs) how do i do this how do i live with this and so i decided you know and this happens a lot whenever i'm afraid of something i usually figure out a way to run at it and so i was like well how about what if i do a composite with a spider in it maybe that'll help me with my fear because i'm pretty irrational i try to not be but totally am i squeal like a (laughs) six-year-old well and I'll tell you, if you're afraid of spiders, this will make you face it with no question. Yeah. There are. So so you have this idea mm-hmm. based on the spiders. Do you do you take the time when you have that idea to actually write it down, sketch it out, or is it just tucked away somewhere? Yeah, most of the time it tucks away. Uh, it just boils away in my brain for a little while until I start to figure out the pieces. <laughs> So eventually just one day I started, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I sat down and I'm so afraid of spiders. I put on super troopers <laughs> on the TV. <laughs> okay. Cause I was like, I need to just like be able to look away often <laughs> and to something that's funny. You hate spiders enough that making this image bugged you. A lot. Yeah. Bugged. Cause they're bugs. That's Bug. funny. Yeah. There we go. See what I did. <laughs> so explain to me really quick here. What's what in here? What's an image? What's a drawn graphic? Obviously, the guy, the the knight with the magical sword, he's mm-hmm. photographed. What else in here is a photograph you made compared to a piece of art? What's what? So most of those are photographic references. Uh, I mean, there is some illustration um, because the spider was so the, the spider is a stock image. It's one of the few that I I bought because I was like, there's no way. There's no way I'm photographing spider. <laughs> My fear has limits. So I got a stock image, but the spider was uh, shot at the wrong aperture. Um, so, cause of course the image is, is quite crisp all the way through. Right. So I had to go in and zoom in really close and re-illustrate the leg hairs. Ah. <laughs> wow. wow. So was so the, did the image have those eyes and that like beard thing? Yeah, no, that's actually the breed of the spider. Um, yeah, I don't know what breed it is. Because he looks know. like, here's to... why this fits, by the way. He looks like the spider, when I say he, she, I don't know. I'm being I'm being spider sexist now. <laughs> it you. looks like a knight, right? The yeah, head so that, looks like that's... a little helmet thing. He's got artwork on his shell. It's, it's pretty wild. The grass yeah. was all separate pieces. The stairs were separate pieces. 
Yeah, so uh, the the ground that he's standing on, so the stairs um, and all the stone are one piece. Uh, some of the grass was part of that, some of the grass wasn't. And then, of course, the, the moody, cloudy, gloomy crap around him. So it wasn't too many pieces that went into it. Is the but gloomy, cloudy, cloudy crap, did you draw that or is that also a photo? Both. Okay, both. so it's, it's I try to I try to use as many photographs as possible. I'm a mediocre artist at best, so I find nature delivers better than I do. <laughs> okay, so here. So I cut. I'm like a digital cut and paste artist. You know, when you're a kid with like oh yeah newspaper. That's kind of what and I. That's do. about as far as I got. <laughs> in in the world of art, that's a that's that's my high point. Yeah, I'm so still doing the same shit. Two things leaped at me when you sent me this image. Why one to one? Why why square? Yeah, so I struggled with that for quite a while because uh, I don't do a lot of square crops. I have a few, but not very many. Well, uh, and you posted just, the day we're recording this, you posted something on Instagram commenting on, you know, oh, the damn Instagram crop. I'll post yeah, the full size one, uh, you know, later to my website. So you going square is a unique thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's not very common, uh, but it just seemed to fit the image best. I mean, I had it was originally a landscape image. Um, I tried it portrait and it was just, there was empty space that didn't add anything. And I didn't know what it would add to fill the space. So I was just like, well, I guess this is a square crop. <laughs> well, and I like the spider bleeding out of the square. I think that adds to yeah. it. It yeah. is actually rule of thirds where the spiders on the upper left rule of third, the, the knight, for lack of a better phrase, the guy with the sword Warrior. is in the lower right rule of third. Um, guys in a studio, I'm curious, when you, when you are shooting in a studio mm -hmm. and you know it's a composite right so you're shooting this guy and you know you're going to composite him yeah what, what are yeah. the the key it's the word i'm looking for i don't want to use the word tricks but it's kind of like tricks right what are the key considerations that you as a photographer have to keep in mind so that because i see it all the time where there's a mismatch on things i've got in my head right now um what are your key considerations and tips when you're shooting in a studio for compositing so the, the tricky part is is when you're photographing in the studio for compositing, but you don't know what you're going to composite yet. <laughs> Did you know what this guy was going to go into when you shot him? No. Oh, my God, no. So I, you had I, no I idea what lighting was even going to need to be matched. Yeah. So what are you thinking? So I basically, I just make a decision and I go like, well, I just make a choice on the lighting. And then later on, if I decide to work on it, I build the artwork around the lighting that I photographed the subject on. So I change my lighting setups all the time. I mean, this was, um, I believe, a two light setup. There's just a main light and a fill. So it's it's very generic. It's very non-directional. It's not. It doesn't have a loud personality. The lighting in this doesn't, you know, scream at you. Oh my god, beautiful lighting, um, because it's not supposed to. Well, but some but, of my other composites do, but this is not one of them. But that is such a key consideration in compositing. The biggest one of the biggest mistakes that I ever see in compositing is lighting mismatch right you have a single source of light two subjects and the single source of light in the two subjects doesn't match so yeah the the source of the light the direction of the light the quality um, of the light <laughs> the quality of the light um that all affects normally i suppose if you know in advance the type of the, even the type of modifier you would pick do i yes, want a softbox versus an umbrella do i need a grid can i use a bare flash do i want a beauty dish Mm -hmm. If you don't know, how the hell do you make the decision? I just make a decision. I just go like, well, I, you know, so in this case, it was, I was photographing live for a concept that was pre-designed. Okay. 
so the other images actually i should just send it to you um the other image was uh you know i just made a decision i wanted this kind of like directional light soft you know easy because i'm doing it live so it has to be easy uh, it has to be non non-offensive i right. guess you I know, like you. like nothing too aggressive lighting um and so and that means that i'm just committing going forward that this is how i'm going to do it other images i've done you know i photograph with with a spotlight or with a bare beauty dish or with a seven foot plm or i bounce it off the ceiling or you know there's a bunch of different ways that you just have to pick one and then just match your concept and your background to the lighting. Okay, and if your background which, and your concept doesn't match to your lighting, then change your concept and your background. Right. I and mean, you've you, got, you, you go out shooting it. backgrounds all the time. So yes. you've got a, a plethora of backgrounds. See, I got to use the word plethora. Um, <laughs> but I zoomed in on this image. I told you at the start, I zoomed in on this image to see and the way his feet meet the ground the way the spider sits. I mean, his right foot, as far as I'm concerned, is on those stairs or, you know, on those stones. It is so brilliantly assembled, for lack of a better phrase. Thank you. The software that you use, I know you're a Capture One user. Yeah. You also use Photoshop. I'm yes. assuming these pieces were manipulated in both of those. Yes. Yeah. I shot tethered to Capture One. I believe back then it was version 8. So what's the current version um, of capture one? They just came out with a new 12, one, didn't they? 12. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and it's awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, see, and, really and our buddy Troy keeps telling me I need to switch to capture one. Yeah, um, man. It's awesome. It's, it's different, but it's really good once you get used to it. In a shot like this, one of the most important, well, not even like this in any composite, just like lighting to me, the two most important things in a composite are synchronous lighting, right? The lighting has to make sense for all the assembled parts and color consistency. Even if the yeah. colors are not consistent, they need to be consistently intentional, right? It needs yes. to make sense for the art. And for you, obviously color consistency is, is huge in all of your artwork. He shot in a studio. This is a piece of effectively stock art. The stairs are something else. The grass is something else. How do you bring in that consistency? I mean, that's just practice, uh, you know, in this case, I was experimenting with warm colors. So a lot of my early work is cool colors, you know, um, lots and lots and lots of cool tones everywhere. And I had a really hard time seeing and working effectively with warm colors. So this image was, was an experiment for me on how to play in the warm area of the color wheel uh, and, and make it effective. So, I mean, if you look at it, everything is, is very warm. It's varying shades of of yellows right. and, and oranges and browns. Um, there's not really any blue. Brighter where the sword is lit up. Yeah, yeah. And so that- Is that it a color like, over? Are you doing practice. color overlays? Are you doing curves? No. What are you doing? Uh, well, I mean, to do all the things. <laughs> this okay. is a lot of right. different yeah. stuff. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I work differently now than when I worked on this image, but, uh, you know, here it would have been there's for sure would be curves, would be selective color adjustments that would be hand painting color using, you know, soft light overlay, um, the, the color blending tool, like color blending right. layer. Um, you know, ev basically everything that's available to, to manipulate color, I'm using it. You're using all image. of it. Okay. Mm -hmm, so but varying levels, right. You know, it doesn't have to be like, you know, I only use curves. I don't know if you only use curves, you only use curves. 
but uh, my theory is it's like it's available to you. Use it. <laughs> if, yeah, they're all tools. If, if it's useful. If it's useful. I mean, you, know, you don't have to throw things away for no reason. Yeah, they're all tools. That was one of my complaints actually at WPPI was there was a guy doing a presentation that put a big X up saying never use ETT, you know, never use TTL. And I'm like, look, if you don't want to use TTL, I get it. And yeah, there are times manual is far superior and there's times when you're running and gunning the TTL works, especially if you're a Nikon shooter. Um, <laughs> and first thought that hit me was he's a cannon shooter. Uh, <laughs> but, but still to present it as an absolute of don't use TTL, avoid it, was yeah. just something that was like, really, are you really gonna go there? Cause it's a tool. And if the tool works for your workflow, then use the tool. One, exactly. one thing I notice looking through your work, and I mentioned this earlier, you are a master of depth. And and I'm and I don't I don't even say that in any manner, shape, or form lightly. You are an absolute master at depth. <laughs> so I'm gonna tell the story You're and then I have a question for you. Kind. Our Thank buddy you. Troy Miller, and yeah. we've told this on other podcasts before, so Troy can hit me later when he oh, sees me. Are we me. gonna burn him again? <laughs> yeah. I, are you serious? If I get a chance to burn Troy, I have to because he's so much better than me right? He's a great wedding photographer. He really is really good. And the first time I introduced him to you, I said, show her some of your work. And he pulled out his phone and he went right to a certain wedding shot that he loved and he handed it to Renee. And this fast, it was here, look at this one. Renee grabbed the phone and within about three seconds went, oh, you swapped out the sky. <laughs> to and which Troy goes, uh, maybe. But you immediately understood that fast, right? Just just in an instant. That an, an image, by the way, anybody else would look at, myself included, and enjoy the image, right? It was a beautiful image as it sat. But it you immediately noticed that the angle of the clouds, the way the clouds trailed off into the depth was not consistent. Yeah, the perspective was off. Yeah. So my question to you is, how can somebody better understand three-dimensional depth when working in a 2D space? You have to just look at reality a lot. <laughs> you have to look at it all the time to really, really, really understand it well. I mean, I just take so many photographs and I look at so much artwork every single day and I try to understand what reality is. So I'll take reference photos with my phone. If the sky looks different, if it looks unique, if it looks in a way that I wouldn't normally composite it, and then I study it and I just look at it, you know, I'll be like on the plane or in the train or in a car or something when I'm not driving, obviously. And I just study it and I go, okay, well, how do I replicate that? Why does that look the way that it does? I do that with, I do that with posing. I do that with color. I do that with like storytelling because storytelling is in my opinion, my weak point. Um, but it's, you have to really It's interesting you say that. Them. Because I think your image storytelling is fantastic. Your Almost every image, even a studio portrait to me tells a story. So it's fascinating that you say that. Yeah, it's something that I that I really work on a lot, uh, you know, because I, my interest in, in image making is, is just telling the start of a story. I want to see what other people see when I make an image. I'm not there to tell them what to think or how to think. I just want to see what they think. You give them a path and, and you give them multiple paths and see where they walk. Exactly. Yeah. I, 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 and it, this came from an image that I did years ago. There's a, a girl uh, with a red hood on and, you know, she's got her hands like this and there's like blood all down the front of this dress. And it's kind of gory and it was early day work and stuff like that. But it was an experiment, once again, to see if I could realistically do blood on a lace dress. 
It's really hard, by the way. <laughs> I bet. But yeah, but it looks, I'm really happy with it. And I was really happy with the result, but it became one of my best selling prints when I used to do conventions. People bought so many copies of that print. And so I started asking people like, hey, what do you see when you look at this? Because people were just like, oh my God, I love the story, you know? But nobody ever told me the same story twice. And, you know, for me, the story was pretty obvious. It's like girl with the red hood and there's like blood and blood. And it's like, I have my own narrative. But then everyone else put, applies their life experience to it. And I thought that was so interesting because I was like, I never would have thought of that. So I started just asking people when they bought that image specifically, like, what do you see? I want to know. Just, you literally just made the argument I give all the time for image competitions. So again, Troy is a brilliant judge at image competitions and he kind of taught me and he's, he's taken me and I've started judging image competitions. And I tell people, I really think one of the best ways the average photographer can get better at their craft is by being an image, even I'm, I'm not talking WPPI PPA stuff, a local mm -hmm. image competition, because mm -hmm. Even as you sit in your head, as the judges rip your photo up, which is always what ends up happening, right? You can sit there and go, they don't understand my art, right? And you can be all purist and everything, but inevitably at the end of it, you're gonna walk away saying, but I never thought somebody saw that. I would have never imagined somebody saw that in my image. And that's yeah. a huge learning experience to see what other people really see in your art yeah absolutely i mean for me i don't enter image competitions i've entered twice in my life and that was it, it i don't really care <laughs> what a judge has to say about my artwork i'm more interested in, in the consumers of the artwork and you know but same what... concept and that is feedback yeah. from other people on what what they see your vision as yes yeah yeah so, and whether it resonates and why some things resonate with people and why other ones don't it's fascinating you know, yeah, it's so bizarre. It's so weird. Uh, but I, I think it's really interesting. It's, <laughs> I think it's really fun. In a way, it's people watching, right? It's 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 the yeah. ability to watch reactions in real time that can be really, really cool. So here's, here's the final question then. Somebody out there does composites and they are not a Dustin Jack. They are not a Renee Robin. They are not an Anya Auntie. They are not, you know, one of these elite people in this type of genre of, of art. What can an average person that's just getting started with finding their voice, right? They're, they're starting to get their vision of, of what they want their artwork to be. What can they do to improve their composites? And you just got to do it. I mean, people ask me this all the time, like, you know, how do I get better? And like, you just have to put intentional time in. Like, it's, it doesn't mean anything if you're just beating your head in, just like showing up and just like pounding away on the same concept. Right. Uh, but you got to show up and you got to show up a lot and it comes faster for some people than it does others. And sometimes your idea of where you thought you were going to go two years ago changes in another year and it, you know, can, it twists and turns and does all this stuff. But I mean, for me, I'm just constantly challenging myself. I'm just always making things hard. <laughs> you know, I, I, like I do, I do what's called a gap analysis uh, for engineering people. They'll know what that is. It's basically you're just looking at the process of what you're doing and figuring out where the weak spots are. Okay. And you know, so I, I do that with myself all the time. I check in and I go, you know, from like a creative standpoint, from a business standpoint, from like an, an emotional, physical, mental health standpoint, where are those gaps? And how do I how do I work on those? How do I make them better? And sometimes there is no solution. Sometimes it's just like, oh well, life sucks right now, and that's just what it is. And we'll have to get through this. And then you get through that. 
and then you start building again. But the same thing happens with creativity is you have to show up, you have to practice and you have to challenge yourself. And inevitably for most people, the taste will evolve on its own. Some people don't get there, but most people do. Uh, but it, it it's, you just got to show up. <laughs> right. And you got to do the work really is what it comes down to. So yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't come to you when you're just like, when you're, when you're sitting on the sidelines watching it, like scrolling through Instagram or behind behance and being like, Oh my God, everyone's so good. Like you gotta, you gotta show up. You gotta sit there like butt in chair or butt in studio, you know, doing whatever it is that makes you tick and, and working on it. Um, you know, diversifying your study. My, some of my best educational experiences have come from assisting shoots that have nothing to do with what I do. Like, you know, I assisted some car shoots. I've, I mean, I've assisted tons of crap uh, that have nothing to do with anything that I do and it changes things. Yeah. I'm so. a, I'm a firm believer. I think you and I have talked about this before, but I'm a firm believer that you can learn from any other type of photography. So I shoot virtually nothing but live music and I'll do promo shoots and stuff like that now and then, but I shoot almost nothing but bands actually performing on stage. But learning from a wedding photographer that shoots natural light or a portrait photographer or a studio photographer helps me understand quality of light, direction of light, uh, how how different lights interact with each other on a human that help me when I'm trying to time those shots on. You can learn from any type of photography. So yeah. Renee Robin, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Yeah, no, you're super welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while, so I'm glad we finally got to make it happen and on an image that makes me nervous that actually just talking about it and my heart, I can start sweating. <laughs> See, that's good for you. You'll, you'll, yeah, it's, it's like a natural before. adrenaline. Your website uh, and your social media have been popping up as lower thirds throughout this show, but just to run through them really quick, your website is what? Renee Robin photography.com. Okay. So Renee Robin Facebook yeah. and Instagram are both Renee Robin photography. Yeah. Twitter is Renee Robin photo. You do yeah, have, oh, let me mention this one too, the workshops with Curtis Jones, newfoundshores.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you also have, which is also, I've been putting it up underneath you throughout the show, Instagram side quest, which is your little noodle thing. It's called, it's <laughs> at noodles on the side. And yeah. it's not your normal work. It's those little things that you just are like, oh, what the heck, let's go experiment. Yeah. So yeah, what's funny with that, uh, noodles on the side started, I mean, cause whenever I'm practicing something, I call it noodling. I'm just like noodling around. Uh, and I recently, so last summer I got a Wacom mobile studio pro and I was like, you know, it's funny because this mobile studio pro helped me fall in love with being creative again. Cause it's, it's been 10 years that I've been doing this and you know, you do something for 10 years. It's like a long-term relationship. You like start to want a little strange. <laughs> And uh, so, you know, creatively, I was wanting a little strange. And so I got this Mobile Studio Pro and I was like, oh, I wonder what it'll be like to work on my composites. And for the compositing, I find it really slows me down because I, I live for shortcuts and it has a Bluetooth keyboard. But, uh, it, you know, it's, it's big movements again. And I noticed that, you know, my, my wrist and my elbow, my shoulder were starting to bother me again. But it helped me because I've been working on, you know, digital painting and I'm not very good at it. But I enjoy the process of being bad at it. You know, it's, it's like really satisfying to just like a self-discovery. Yeah. Well, I mean, it helps me think of, 
you know, every single piece that's in there. And I mean, I'm already like this with my composites. Everything that's in there is completely intentional because I'm like very aware of every single pixel in the composite. So with digital painting, like I don't have to worry about photorealism. I don't have to right. worry like the messier, the better. And it, it just feels so good to do that. And so now I'm traveling with my laptop and the 16 inch mobile studio. Well, and I got to say, I, I think the noodles on the side uh, account is as fun to watch as your normal account. So, uh, <laughs> well, thank you. I'm much slower updating it because obviously it's just like side quest stuff and it's doodles turn around and yeah, it, it's just, it's just side quest noodling. And I, I really enjoy it. It, it does make me very happy as a, as a, creator to have that <laughs> again it's been a joy talking with you as it always is my friend thank you and uh, i wish you the best and i wish you warmth soon in canada yeah uh, yeah it's a few months away yet <laughs> yeah, yeah hopefully yeah. soon though so again to renee robin thank you so much for being on the on the behind the shot podcast i really appreciate it don't forget about the contest that we have going right now with red river paper it ends in just a couple of days you can find out all the information on this post this this episode there'll be a blog post associated with it up at the website it's behindtheshot.tv as well rules for the red river paper contest are up there and of course there's a plethora of episodes up there as well if you ever want to reach out to me you can use the contact form there you can reach out to me on Twitter. You can reach out to me on Instagram. You can reach out to me on Facebook. Whatever you want to do, just go find me somewhere and reach out. I would like to ask one favor of you. If you like the show, please head to iTunes or whatever your podcast listening uh, you know, outlet is and leave us both a numerical rating and a review because it does actually help with discovery a lot and it'd be much appreciated. Again, thank you so much for joining us. It's Behind the Shot, the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. We'll see you next time.